Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. It is Thursday. It is now two days away from Ohio State and Georgia in the Peach Bowl in the college football playoff. I am here 48 floors up in the Atlanta skyline. And Bill wow. Landis. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with deep with the details. All the color that you could possibly need uh, from my HQ here. And Bill is in the uh, familiar confines of the home office in Columbus. And uh, still no baby. No, what's no, going no on, baby? No Come baby on. yet. Uh, <laughs> I am. I am currently uh, one floor off the ground here in, in Columbus, uh, and still and still babyless. Okay, well that's good to know. In the comments, I guess a lot of people somehow didn't didn't know that that was the situation because they <laughs> they thought that the best member of the squad was left off the travel <laughs> roster. <laughs> and clearly, everyone likes Berm, so it was a nice little jab at me that I'm here and you're not. I'll just do the best that I can, but like it's fair. I am. I'm definitely third on the pecking order, but oh, that's um, not true. That's not true. <laughs> anyway, we're just we're uh, we'll do the best we can, no matter what. I, I think <laughs> you've been paying uh, close attention from afar, as of course you always would. Um, I know that it's not the easiest way to do it, but you've been you know monitoring all the press conferences the last two days. Uh, uh, certainly, you were you were on the Zoom on Monday. And a lot of the questions, I, it's a long-winded way of saying, I think it's been weird the way people are talking about and asking questions to Ohio State this week, like there's some sort of talentless poverty program. <laughs> uh, they are, they're certainly, they're certainly not that. Um, it is, it is a little strange, I, I suppose. Like on, on one hand, like I get it, they're, they are not the favorite in this game. They lost the last time we we saw them on on the field. Although I get like I have not been paying attention to like what's going on with the Fiesta Bowl media. Like TCU lost its last game. Is TCU yeah. being treated like they're some kind of second class citizen that doesn't belong in the in the playoff? I, I don't know. Um, I think I think maybe maybe that is part of it. Like some people don't think Ohio State deserves to be here. Um, my response to that would be like, well, who else? Or like, who else are you <laughs> going to put in? Like, there there were teams that had the opportunity to be here, and, and they lost as well. So, like, no one no one really went out and grabbed that Ohio State um, by virtue of what it had done before losing to Michigan. Uh, I probably earned it more so than those other teams did. So, so I don't I don't really understand that either. It's not like I think I think Georgia's better than Ohio State. I think Georgia should be favored, but I don't look at the two programs. I think it's like. David versus Goliath and, and Ohio State has no business like believing it should be be on the field with the Bulldogs. Like there are there are three uh preeminent programs in the sport when it comes to like talent acquisition and success, and two of them are on the field in, in the Peach Bowl. So like I, I, I don't know, let's pretend like they both belong there. Yeah, I I didn't want us to do another day of the daily where we were asking what questions we wanted to ask. So today I'm just trying to figure out why. Other people have chosen these questions because it's driving me crazy. I don't, I don't understand what's happening. Like the spread is six and a half in this game. Ohio State and Georgia spent the entire year, uh, in certainly when the selection committee got involved, being number one and number two in the polls. This was a game that everyone thought was most likely going to happen in the national championship. Uh, as you said, talent acquisition and star rankings and recruiting success—all of that points to a reason why Ohio State and Georgia are both on the stage. It was also asked, Bill, on Wednesday, and I don't remember if it was in the print breakout session where I was or on in the on-camera part, but it was like, 
do you feel like Georgia has an advantage from having been on the stage before? And I was like, they've been in the playoff three of the last four years. <laughs> they were in the national championship. They were in the national ago. championship two years ago. That was, I, it was like Tommy Eichenberg's like he, like he's completely a new experience to him. No, they've all been here before. They talked about it on selection Sunday. Hey, it's three of the last four years. We get to use the same blueprint that we used uh, to go beat down Clemson in the sugar bowl two years ago. Like, I feel like people are losing their minds and it's not like I get the part of our coverage of Ohio state and the element of the fan base that um, is upset about November 26th. And they thought that the signing class could be better. They're frustrated with name image likeness, the details of the things that are not perfect for Ohio state. Obviously we understand them better than most. Um, That's our day-to-day life, but I'm, I'm really fascinated by the stuff that's outside that's saying, well, Ohio State has to just play a close game with Georgia or the narrative will change or the perception of the program will be irreparably harmed. Like, what? It's a six-and-a-half-point <laughs> spread in the semifinal from the team that was, you know, top two. Some people thought they were number one ahead of Georgia during the regular season before November 26th. I don't, I don't know how it's been extrapolated to this extent where there's a national problem with Ohio State's brand. I don't understand it. Yeah, that is uh that's probably taking it a step too far. I, I I don't I don't know that I consider I don't I don't go into this game thinking to myself like this is a referendum on the program. I, I don't <laughs> I, I guess I guess it could become that depending on how this game transpires, but but I I mean maybe I'm crazy. Like I come at this as like these are two equal programs. Like there's <laughs> Ohio State is not coming to Atlanta for merely a like moral victory <laughs> to to salvage something. Like they're coming here or there, I guess I should say, with an ability to win the game. Like they're just they're just as talented. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't I don't understand why um why they would be treated like some like plucky upstart who found, who found its way <laughs> onto the stage when as you said they've been here 3 out of the last 4 years. Now I, you gotta you gotta win when you get here. Like the, and Ryan Day is one on one in the playoff. Like it's it's fine. He's five hundred. He's one one. He's, he's lost one. And they got their doors went off a little bit in the national championship. There were obviously some extenuating circumstances there. I think you want to have a good showing on a stage like this. If you get blown out, it's not great. Um, combined with a loss to Michigan, it's certainly not great. And there are hard questions to ask. But I don't think like the the future success uh, or failures of Ohio state as a program are necessarily riding on this game, because guess what? No matter what happens, the expectation is they're going to be right back in this game next year. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I, I, I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. Cause you said, was this happening in the Fiesta bowl? And no, it's not. People are celebrating TCU's rise. They, you know, were once floating around and conferenceless and going to the mountain West. And then the, you know, wherever uh, one year in the big East and then now they're in the big 12 and they've built this program. Like they, they forget, well, that was a big 12 championship game. That doesn't matter for them. They've got a chance to go shock the world. And like, I think they have a much, much, much worse chance of beating Michigan than Ohio state does of winning on Saturday night against Georgia, because I think the Buckeyes have a pretty decent shot at doing so. Um, if they play their best, the other part of this, I think is Ohio state's getting pretty annoyed by that. Uh, the questions that they're getting. I think they're like anybody can cover the sport and they're do their jobs however they want. I'm not here to tell them do it exactly this way and only ask the questions that I think you should. That's not what I'm suggesting, but they're happening at such a volume this week. And I don't, and because I don't understand that 
perception of Ohio State being broken, you can just see the annoyance building. And I don't know if that will have any impact on Saturday night or not. We already know that before they even left Columbus, that C.J. Stroud was saying not even just Ohio against the world, but the Woody against the world. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think there's probably some element where the chip on Ohio State's shoulder is growing, but it's not because they don't feel like they are out of place or that they don't belong or that they don't think they can beat Georgia without extra motivation. Like They're not intimidated by Georgia. And we can go through every position if we want. I don't really think that there's a terrible mismatch. You'd certainly give Georgia, like I was asked this by you know the Georgia rival site, where where would be a part of concern for Ohio State? Like I don't know that there is one that has Ohio State truly worried. I think they know they have to account for Jalen Carter and that there's been some question about you know Matthew Jones with the health and then Donovan Jackson struggling in the second half of the season. So that's what I chose as the one that's like the most important matchup. But if you're going anywhere else, like I have a hard time saying that basically it's like, it's even in me. Like I, I wouldn't say that if you went through and did those check marks, like people used to do in the newspaper and laid it out mm-hmm. uh, in the agate section, like here's who's got the edge. Like I think it's pretty even across the board um, other than maybe Jalen Carter against the guards. Like that's so why would Ohio state feel like it has to come in with a, a slingshot and a lot of motivation. I think <laughs> they don't have to. Yeah, I think there there are definitely there are strengths of Georgia's that that are probably uh, opposed to weaknesses of Ohio State, and but the same is is true on the other side of that. Like I don't I don't know I, Marvin Harrison versus Kelly Ringo, I'll probably take Marvin Harrison, and I think C.J. Stroud at his best is like better than Stetson Bennett at his best. Like there are strengths on both sides. That's why like sometimes throughout the year Ryan Day will talk about quote unquote matchup games, and in my head I'm like this is not a matchup game. <laughs> if you if you want if you do not want to play your best and make it closer than it needs to be, and then afterwards say it's a matchup game, that's one thing. But coming into the games, they don't feel like matchup games. This is a matchup game. This is these are two teams that recruit at the at the upper echelon of the sport and have for several years. Um, the whatever metrics you want to use to determine like uh, roster talent equis- or uh, composition, uh, these two teams are are, are fairly even and, and have been, and and certainly more so than Ohio State is with with any other team in the Big Ten. But that doesn't mean that Ohio State is at a disadvantage at like across the board. I think there are there are places for them to pinpoint that are advantages for them. So it's 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 a talent equated game, as Urban Meyer used to like to say about um, games that weren't always that case. Uh, this is truly truly one of them so why do we have to pretend like it's it's not like ohio Ohio state if you want to say that the way this season transpired it's like it's weird that ohio state's here i agree with that um but that also is like the territory we're entering anyway but if you want to like stack up the programs and stack up the talent say like ohio state doesn't belong here like that is that is patently false (laughs) they they certainly do they are among the the two or three or four most talented teams in college football i think that like Ryan Day should have dusted off the old talent equated. Like he consciously, I think, got rid of that and called them matchup games. So that they, these, these are more competitive games. Penn State is close to, but it was never. It's never talent equated. It's not even with Michigan when you look through their roster. Uh, to be you know completely honest about one through eighty five, but Georgia, obviously, that is the situation. That is a mm-hmm. talent equated matchup, which I think is why there's been at least on my end so much attention on you know even colds or flus what's going on with Mayan Williams and uh, Ronnie Hickman being sick earlier in the week like Ohio State does need to play their best game and we've emphasized them needing to be at their healthiest and how that impacts guys like even ones that didn't miss time like Cade Stover 
uh, or Emeka Ibuka, uh, guys that were playing through things, how different they could look by Saturday compared to a month ago. Like, you know, I, I think that's why the Mayan Williams thing draws so much, so many red flags for people that when he's missing practice because he barely got to play a month ago against Michigan. Didn't, we didn't see him in the open period of practice on Wednesday morning. Uh, we assumed that he was also dealing with that on Tuesday morning because he did not appear at Ohio State's Offensive Media Day as scheduled. Um, I was told directly by several people that it is still just the illness. But, you know, taking that out of the equation, and then if you wind up with just Alan Hayden and Chip Trainum in the backfield definitively, like maybe that that would be a check mark that would have to go the other way. I don't think that's ideal. But um, other than that, it's like, you know, I just go back to they're going to go at each other and they're two sledgehammers. They are the, they were the two best evaluated teams throughout the course of the season. Why I'm, everyone's so much looking forward to watching them play at eight o'clock on Saturday night. I, it's also true. I think that Georgia needs to play its best to, to beat Ohio state. The, I, and maybe the, the, the problem there is we have probably seen Georgia's best or close to Georgia's best. And we have not seen, in my opinion, we have not seen Ohio state's best, which we've, we've talked about before. Doesn't mean they can't get there, but if there's if there's some doubt about their ability to get there, I I respect that because I I have that too. That's why I I picked Georgia to win the game when we did the show earlier in the week uh, mm-hmm. with with Bobby and Jay Z. But um, if you're going to tell me that both these teams are going to show up like you know full full power, ready to play that the best game they've played all year, toss it's a toss up. Like, I think I think Ohio State is just as capable of winning that game as Georgia is, and I think it's it's imperative for both of them that they show up with their best. If one of them doesn't, that's the team that's going to lose. It's it's funny that you mentioned that. Like, we've, Georgia's not had probably the same analysis of it that it has got to this point without ever having played its best. Like it it its schedule was more difficult, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, than Ohio State's. We know that that's true. Um, they had to play to their peak potential to beat a handful of those teams, obviously in the SEC, to get to this point. Um, Berm is working on this story about what is Buckeye football because that came up several times. People were mentioning it in press conferences. Like, what does that mean to them? And then how many times did they do that this season? And I don't want to spoil everything that he that Berm is working on there for OhioState.Rivals.com, but Tommy Eichenberg said that the number of times that they achieved that this year was zero. So like, of all the people who've been media-friendly favorites and – He's going to have to appear three times this week, which I'm sure he absolutely loves. Nobody else on the Ohio State <laughs> roster had to do so. Like For him to say that, and especially as a captain and being a man who chooses his words carefully, is pretty telling. It's also, like, why has that not happened? I don't know that we'll ever get an answer to that part, but like they really are only going to have to do it once. Like In reality, in my mind, like if yeah. Michigan wins that game, we know that Ohio State will be motivated for that, and if they take advantage of the opportunities they missed in the first half, like that team was in position to really run away from Michigan. Now they didn't do it, but it, that's also part of the zero out of twelve reaching their potential. I don't think their absolute best is required to beat Michigan in a rematch. It definitely will be on Saturday night, but like it would be very unfulfilling and frustrating, I'm sure, for Ohio State fans and all these people that are you know outside of the program asking questions about the stick status of the program if this team which seemed to have everything going for it coming into the year and had everything in position to make a special run and win a national championship if they evaluated themselves and say that they played 13 times and never played their best football 
that will just be hard to really comprehend. Well, that 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 then invites the the fair questions. I think it's it's why <clears throat> why why did a program with every resource in the world with as much talent as anybody not find a way to ever maximize that? And 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 it's different year to year. Like you, I don't I don't know that you. Maybe you do start stacking years on top of years, but I don't know if we've reached that point. Like I, even last year's team, like I know um, people weren't happy with the way that last season ended. I, I, I viewed the ceiling of this team considerably higher than last year's team, um, mm-hmm. just with the experience they had returning. So um, I don't know. They've come closer to maximizing this year probably than they did last year, but I don't even know if the maximized version of last year's team was, was quite national championship caliber. I've thought all along that, that this one was. Um, and, but we've yet to see that level of play. They have the opportunity to finally get, get that under the belt on, on Saturday. And as we've said, they, they need to, but if, if that doesn't happen, then, then I do think you, you question maybe the direction a a little bit. It's not, it's not so much like the, the foundation of the program. Is it crumbling? Does the idea of Ohio state as we know it fundamentally change if they don't win this game or if they, if they get blown out in this game, I, I don't know if that's the case, but but I do think it, it would be you know high time for for hard questions about what is the missing piece here that's causing Ryan Day and this staff to not quite get everything they should be getting out of this team. Mm-hmm. I like that's a good a good view of it. I think if you were here on Thursday, who would be the first person that you wanted to go uh, talk to? Is Tate Martell going to be there? He's not here. I believe he's oh, okay. retired from football. <laughs> um, now, I mean. We can we can probably get you in touch with him if you need to, yeah. you know, talk shop uh, about this matchup. I'm sure he'd have a lot of great insight. <laughs> um, it would. I mean, the quarterback, the backup quarterbacks for sure, Devin or Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Um, and then maybe like uh, like CJ Hicks, maybe I don't know. I like the 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 young players who are, we know are super talented who just haven't played very much yet, and sort of what their outlook on things is or, or sort of the, the players that I like to try to have a few minutes with on, on days like that. Okay. Those are good. Yeah. I think that Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are probably going to draw a pretty big crowd. Yeah. I do remember the Tate Martell experience at the Rose bowl and he was far and away the number one most coveted <laughs> interview. Yeah. That was a uh, different, different times. I think this is backup quarterbacks are always interesting. These guys I think are interesting for different reasons. Um, I, uh, I did not talk to Tate on that day. I, I, I was, I was paid uh, a few, a few shekels by my coworker at the time so that he, <laughs> he could go talk to Tate Martell. And I think I spent my afternoon, like trying to talk to Alex Grinch who didn't want anything to do with me. Um, so I missed it. I missed the Tate Martell show that day, unfortunately. And it was also great that you could use all that time to talk to Alex Grinch, knowing that he was about six days away from leaving. Yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 It good. It was good. That didn't really work out. It out well for you. It was a big waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. And Tate using his time to trash talk Justin Fields and try and uh, talk him out of transferring to Ohio State was definitely uh, worthy of the big top circus atmosphere that we had in there for that day. Uh, <laughs> the breakfast burritos were phenomenal. Oh, I think about that probably once a week, that, that <laughs> breakfast food truck they had there. Oh. They were incredible. I think that's the first time I've ever said something nice about the Rose Bowl. That was a definite highlight. Say, like <laughs> I, I, I'm on board with you mostly about the the, the Rose Bowl criticisms, um, but those breakfast burritos were a saving grace. Yeah, you know, I don't agree with the other narrative <laughs> this week that's emerged, which is that the Rose Bowl being canceled is the end of humanity. <laughs> I read that column twice yesterday. 
the end of the world because the Rose Bowl is no longer going to have January one all to itself. One of the most amazing works of art I've ever read in this profession. I it yeah. I uh I very much enjoy the trivial things that people can really get themselves worked up over. <laughs> it's just like I uh, couldn't care less <laughs> yeah, about what no. day the Rose Bowls played. Yeah, I think you have a very <laughs> misguided notion of the value of the Rose Bowl <laughs> and how miserable the rest of the week is. But come on. Yeah, well, the sunset's nice, though. Well, I mean, if UCLA was ever good enough to actually host a playoff game in there, maybe that would be cool. But um, hmm. I doubt that'll happen. Sorry, Chip Kelly. I don't believe in you. Um, hmm. Poor guy. The, well, that was a winding journey to get to the end of the podcast. <laughs> I guess that's what happens when we don't don't have a more definitive structure. But you know what? That's part of the fun. Uh, it's all about the journey and not the destination. But we have that's reached right. the end. Uh, it is. This has been the podcast daily. It has been Thursday. It's for Thursday. We have a lot more coverage coming your way out of full team media day. Brim and I will have the Roosters report uh, later on as we get more information. Friday morning will be the final press conference of the week. Ryan Day and Kirby Smart will provide some updates, and we're getting close to Saturday night, 8 o'clock, New Year's Eve, Ohio State and Georgia. A lot more coverage coming your way as well at ohiostate.rivals.com. Look for Bill's work there. I'm Austin. We'll see you later.